0: You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app, or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Matthew 25, we're in verse 31. It is the time to separate the sheep and the goats. So we'll read Matthew 25 beginning verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? Then, when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly, I say to you, to the extent you did it, to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it, to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And so here we have Jesus's concluding teaching. Uh, we have Jesus uh, instructing uh, what will be uh, the standard of judgment, what it is going to be required of these folks. And as we've noted, uh, All of this, uh, going back to Matthew 24 and 44, to be ready. As Jesus talked about judgment to come, he said, for this reason, you must be ready. Well, here were some folks who were ready, and here were some folks who were obviously not ready. Matthew 24, 44 had said, for this reason, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave who... His master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is the slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he doesn't expect him and an hour which he doesn't know and will cut him into pieces. And assign them a place with the hypocrites, in the place where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so all of this has been further explanation of that. You must be ready for the Son of Man is coming when you don't know. So he talked about that uh, faithful and wise versus the evil and foolish slave. Then he talked about the parable of the ten virgins. Uh, There were those who were ready and waiting, those who were prepared and those who weren't. Then there were those who faithfully worked in the parable of the talents and those who did not. And now there's going to be the separation of the sheep and goats, and it's going to be on the basis of loving service. So we had readiness. We had work. uh, We have now service. And so in all of these, we have the same result. Some are prepared. Some are not. Some work. Some do not. Some serve Others, and through that serve the Lord, and some do not. And if we get that point from these four different ways that Jesus says it, and you think about this, this is one of the longer sermons recorded in the scripture uh, from Jesus, uh, we think he must mean this. Uh, and that it's uh, uh, those who were already slaves of the master who are rewarded or rejected, it's those who were waiting to enter the um, to the the wedding feast, who were uh, accepted or rejected? It's those who the master entrusted with things, uh, who were rewarded or punished. And now it is the shepherd coming, and he's separating all of his. And the shepherd has some sheep, and the shepherd has some goats too. And so, well, which would you be? Uh, would you be the prepared? Would you be the working? Would you be the serving or not? So, uh, we don't want to again overstress uh, any uh, of these points uh, about parables. I I hesitate sometimes to call this last uh, instruction about judgment a parable. Uh, It sounds more like an active, uh, you know, a a poetic description uh, than it does just, uh, you know, a a parable. But in any case, on all of these, I think we can uh, overstress. Uh, we can overstress uh, parables, uh, and we can overstress these teachings. So I think if we get that point, we've got the main thing that Jesus wanted. Uh, I did see, as I was uh, making preparation uh, for this, I saw that somebody was uh, doing some work on the parables, and when they got to the parable of the ten virgins, they had a six-lesson series. So uh, forgive me this wrong that I've only did one week on the parable of the ten virgins, and not 6. Although uh, if I would have taken the position that that one did that the oil in the lamp represented the holy spirit just think of how many lessons on the holy spirit I could have. And we get up with a lot of lessons from the uh from the parable of the virgins uh with with the, the the oil being the holy spirit. I don't know, maybe the oil is the holy spirit but uh that seems to be delving a little deeper it seems into uh, the symbolism that at least is obvious and apparent, but I think there's probably enough there you could get something worked up. In any case, again, it's about readiness. It's about rewards. So we have the the master coming, and it's uh, sheep to the right, and it's goats to the left. The the right has always been uh, the preferred uh, place, the, the place uh, of honor. Uh, Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, there's uh, sometimes you'll see in commentaries they'll mention it uh, was especially understood uh, by in this culture uh, if, the, if you were on trial before the Sanhedrin and pronounced innocent it's reported that uh, they would then take you to the right side of the room for your pronunciation of innocence and they'd take you to the left side of the room if they were going to pronounce you guilty or they'd send you one to the other uh, right after the pronouncement and so anyway it's, it's very clear that uh, uh, this is uh, the 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 good side, the side of reward, the sheep to the right. So verse 31, it started, the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he'll sit on his glorious throne. So the son of man comes in glory. It's the son of man who sits on the throne. This is a little bit different than uh, we normally picture Uh, Normally, we picture uh, the father on the throne, Uh, like Revelation 20. I saw a great white throne, him who sat on it, from whose presence the earth and heaven fled away, and there was no place for him. And I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book opened, uh, the book of life. And so normally, it's the, the father that we consider and think about as the uh, as the one on the throne. But in this picture of judgment, it is Christ. It's also true that Paul directly stated, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, uh, the apostle Paul uh, did very directly state, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that we might give an account of what we've done in the body, uh, whether it's good or it's bad. And so it, it is the judgment seat of Christ, there And it's uh, here Christ on his throne, although normally, as I say, we, we picture the father, uh, the unity of their action in these things really make it hard to separate. In any case, uh, Jesus is pictured here is coming. He comes with his angel. He comes in glory. And so uh, what do we have to him when he comes in glory by and by? Uh, when he was glorified on earth briefly at the Mount of Transfiguration, he was only seen by Peter and James and John. But one day he'll be seen by uh, the assembly of all, some in uh, awe and uh, wonder, obviously others in dread terror. So he separates them to his right and to his left. Those who are active, those who are faithful, they're rewarded. They're rewarded in their active faithfulness. And in the last uh, parable, the parable of the talents, uh, we had people who were faithful with astonishingly huge uh, amounts of money. It was was faithful in like the the biggest thing possible. Uh, But we had in the parable of the the virgins, uh, we had people who were prepared or not, in what would appear to be one of the smallest and most mundane things possible. Did you have enough oil that evening for your lamp? Or did you not? Well, here uh, we find we're back down to the more regular and mundane. We're not in the uh, massive sums of money, uh, but we're, we're in faithfulness in small things. Come, verse 34, uh, he'll say, Come, you who are blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So inherit the kingdom. Come to that which God has always intended to give his people, the kingdom that is intended from the beginning. So uh, anytime we have talks about uh, predestination, uh, foreordination, election, and all those kind of things, sometimes in uh, arguing against some doctrines of, uh, of uh, peculiar and individual election and apparently arbitrary election uh, by God without any response of faith uh, on the part of those who, who are the elected, and some of those things of Calvinism. Sometimes we end up arguing, I think, a little too much about predestination in that it sounds like we're against it entirely. Well, Jesus wasn't. (laughs) Uh, Jesus had a plan, and he had a kingdom that was prepared from the foundation of the world. And so, uh, yes, we believe in predestination, and we believe in foreordination, and we believe in all those things, Uh, and we believe in election as well. But uh, it might not be quite as the Calvinist explains it, but we we can't throw out the idea of predestination uh, because the Calvinist overexplained it somewhere. Well, or or maybe a lot of somewheres. But uh, uh, we find this is exactly what God prepared and intended for his people, as in Romans uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 15 For you have not received the spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you've received the spirit of adoption. As sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father, the spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. And so inherit the kingdom. Well, that's what uh, uh, Jesus said. You've been adopted. And so since you've been adopted, you're now an heir. And you're a fellow heir with Christ. And so here is the one who is on the throne granting to the kingdom and access to the kingdom uh, that God has prepared. And he's saying, I, we go to Romans, he's saying, I'm giving you the same access I've got. You're a fellow heir with me. And so uh, as Jesus has said in the Gospel of John famously, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe in me also. In my Father's house are many dwelling places or many mansions. There's, there's plenty of room. I got room for you. Don't worry. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again. Well, here he is Pictures coming again in his glory. And he said, I'll receive you to myself. All those on the right are received by the Lord, that where I am, you may be also. So come get this inheritance. It's my inheritance, he's saying, I'm sharing it freely with you. The inheritance is yours because of the service that you gave in a loving and faithful way. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. me. Sick, and you visited me. In prison, and you came to me. And he also says you did well on the theological essay portion and you passed both the, uh, both the doctrinal uh, dissertation and you also got right uh, the multiple choice on heresy. So thank you very much. You've done well. <laughs> Most of us, I think, will probably be glad that it's placed here on service. Now, I realize there are those who have, because of doctrinal error, Paul told Timothy, there are those who make shipwreck of the faith. There are those who do things like deny the resurrection. There are those who uh, uh, become, or they're at least in league with or become themselves the Antichrist by denying Christ coming in the flesh in First John. So with, with, with some departures of the revealed truth uh, on the incarnation, on the resurrection, and I think we could probably well uh, going back to the law instead of sticking to the gospel, Galatians five and four causing you to fall from grace uh, uh, having no works, which actually goes with this very well in book of James in chapter two uh, which is actually that's more behavioral but there are some doctrinal points so uh, those three first come to mind in first John about the incarnation and Second uh, Timothy, about denial of the resurrection, also in 1 Corinthians 15, becoming a false witness of God. Um, there are some points of doctrine by which one can become, I think, rejected, uh, which are, uh, they stray s- so far that like the warning of Second John, those who go beyond, they don't have the father and they don't have the son. But for as much as we do rightly point those truths out, it is more common to be taught that our behavior toward one another is the basis of judgment than the basis of our belief. And so here, just because this passage doesn't mention doctrine doesn't mean it's not important. But what it means is, is that when Jesus was explaining about faithfulness in these, the four, you know, talking about the faithful slave, talking about the prepared of the virgins, talking about the faithful man with the talents, faithful men, because there was two faithful and one unfaithful. And talking about these, the sheep and goats, in, in all of these that Jesus points out, it's about preparation, service, it's about dedication uh, more so than points of doctrine. And so... Uh, again, other passages do cover those cover those quite adequately, but we 'll note the emphasis here of our Lord and so we think about this James two and eighteen, but some will may say, "You have faith, and I have works." James challenges them, "Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works and so this kind of working and active faith. Uh, taking care of the Lord and doing it through the brethren as he was hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, and imprisoned. These are the things that we are to do. Uh, We are to uh, serve the disciples to serve the Lord. Uh, Verse 40, the king will say, Truly I say to you, to the extent you did it to one of these brothers of mine, you did it. To me. And so to do for the brethren is to do for the Lord. John would bring up the point how can we say we love God who we haven't seen if we can't be bothered to love the brethren right in front of us? And so we have these responsibilities of uh, feeding, of providing a drink, of visiting, of inviting in, of seeing after. Now, Of course, these aren't the only ways to provide loving service. This is one of my uh, favorite lessons. I'll give you the uh, summary of it here. The one another passages that we have for Christians, and we'll just basically take these in alphabetical order because there's so many of them, and this is just the highlights. There's more. Accept one another from Romans 15, verse 7. Wherefore, accept one another, just as Christ accepted us to the glory of God. Care for one another, First Corinthians twelve and twenty-five, that there be no division in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another, that they would comfort one another. With these words, First Thessalonians four, confess to our brethren and pray for our brethren. James five sixteen, therefore confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Forbear with one another, Ephesians 4, verse 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, show forbearance to one another in love. Forgive one another, Ephesians 4:32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Love one another, John 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Encourage each other. Therefore, encourage each other, First Thessalonians five eleven, and build one another up as you have been doing. Show hospitality, 1 Peter 4, 9. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Probably we could add that to just about all of these. Be at peace with one another. Mark 9, salt is good, but if salt has become unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. So if you want to be salty, that's the kind of salty to be. I know some people take delight in being salty. Be that kind of salt. Prefer one another. Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Stimulate one another. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Submit to one another. Ephesians 5, 21. And be subject to one another in the fear of God of Christ. And this is the only one out of alphabetical order, but not by much. We put at the bottom, as Jesus is pointing out here, serve one another. Mark nine twenty five, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be the last of all and the servant of all. And Galatians five thirteen, you were called to freedom, brethren, only don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. As I say, the one another sermon is one of my favorite sermons to give. I give it every couple of years. And it was really easy kind of to make that sermon. You just go through your Bible concordance or now your Bible computer search and you type the phrase one another. And look at the amazing richness of instruction that comes. And then try to organize that into some kind of list. There's so much of it. Often I just go alphabetical. But what we have here in this Uh, teaching of judgment of Jesus is basically serve as needed Uh, it's to the hungry, to the thirsty to the naked to the sick to the imprisoned well luckily Jesus, I don't see discouraged on that list, so I didn't talk to anybody who was discouraged, but you didn't say discouraged people oh Oh, you kind of meant to cover that with the rest of them, huh? Oh, uh, also you didn't say anything about broke people and loaning them any money or just giving them money. I always find if you can afford it, it's always best just to give money to folks. Don't loan money to folks. I remember years ago in my life, uh, there was a fellow who needed some money and it was to me and him, it was a small, small sum, but to me and him both, it was substantial at the time. And, uh, I said to the fellas, he was moving, uh, five States away, Western States, not the little bit Eastern States, but big Western States. I said, here, I said, here's, here's this amount of money. And he said, Oh, I'll, I'll do my best to pay you back. I said, no, you won't (laughs) here. It's a gift. Don't worry about it. Do not worry about it. I don't, I don't know if you're going to be able to pay me back or not. You know, you'd be far away. And we were both real close to the uh, age of 20 back then. I maybe, even on the bottom side of it, and it's like you know, don't worry. I don't. It's not enough money that I, I would ever worry about. Obviously, I can lo- stand to lose the money. I wouldn't give it to you. You're leaving for five states away. So it turns out that uh, you know, a couple of years later, we were new acquaintance. You know, since then, I've done his daughter's wedding. Uh, I've been to his house. You know, a, a lot of times he's been to my house a lot of times. But I just think about what if, if some paltry sum of money that I gave him back in nineteen, you know, whatever. Uh, was never paid back or if 10 years later I go, Hey, Hey, Hey brother, remember that time? No, I'm saving up. Remember that time for some time I needed a lot worse than now. So not that I, not that I won't remember. No, but okay. So broke isn't on that list, right? So, Hey, I don't, I I'm good. Um, and there's a number of situations where brother really needs your help and needs your encouragement. And they're not on that list. Well, I think about this list of service and even the one we see currently on the screen. Uh I think about those in terms of proverb 31. You think about that virtuous woman of proverb 31. I mean, when did that woman sleep? Right. Well, you know, cause she has, uh, she's making clothes. She's making leather belts, She's got a vineyard. Uh, she's got the sewing things going on. Uh, she's got trade with the merchants. I, I, uh, much less, you know, all the household goods and tasks. Well, it's obviously that's a composite. No person could do every single one of those things. It's a composite picture of faithfulness. And what this is, this is a composite picture of service with some of the most obvious things uh, uh, that, that could come up that it's, oh, oh, it's pretty obvious that guy needs our help. And so what do we do? Well, we do it. And then we see the list that we just went over with the one another's accepting and caring and comforting and, praying for and forbearing and forgiving and, uh, hospitality, which would be on this list. Uh, but the preference for and stimulating the love and good deeds, all of these things, this is the loving service that's asked for. Not, not the particular ones. Hey, I went and saw a prisoner. I am good this week. Well, I'm glad you went and saw the prisoner and maybe we should go see prisoners more, but, uh, it's not something that we're going to have a checklist. It's not something of well, hey, I did that. It's really sort of like that one there, Ephesians five twenty one, you know, where it says, "Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ." Uh, how far would that go? How far would that go? Most of us know Ephesians five twenty two, wives submit to your husbands. We don't so much know the one right before that, which is luckily we don't read the context right, so most of us don't know submit to one another is there too. We only know wives are supposed to submit to our, the husbands because that's the next verse. Well, what makes that verse more important? It doesn't. We have to do both. So we have this loving service requirement, this loving service standard. And what happens if we don't meet that? Well, verse 41 will tell us what happens if we don't meet that standard. Then he'll say to those on the left, depart from me accursed ones. That's not going well. Get out of here. You're cursed. Go to the eternal fire, which has been ready for the devil and his angels. So I had a kingdom that I've been getting ready and intending for all eternity. we got another place that's been ready for a very long time. And unfortunately, you guys are going there. It is the place prepared for the devil. And that doesn't mean that God built him a house. I mean, that means God built him a prison, that uh, uh, comedic picture of the devil being the warden of hell. Now, that is not true. It, it, it's, it's barely funny when you know the real truth of Scripture. The, the devil is not the warden in hell. The devil is the first inmate in hell. Uh, he's He's got the deepest pit with the biggest chains. He's the one who'll be the most tormented, is the Scriptural picture. But you want to join him? You can join him for, verse 42... I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me in. Naked, and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison, you didn't come visit me. And they'll say, Lord, why, when do we see you? You know, an important person, a person who we love and respect, and and we we say we follow. When do we see you, hungry, thirsty, a stranger, naked, or sick, or in prison, and we didn't take care of you? And he'll say, truly, I say to you, to the extent you did not do it to one of the least of these, you didn't do it to me. They didn't think they were being neglectful. They didn't think they had any oversight because the other, the folks who really needed that kind of care for them, evidently were beneath their notice. They didn't see the need. They didn't see the need for them to go do it for sure. So either they thought, well, no need to bother, or I don't see a problem. What's the problem? Or somebody else will take care of that. If it had been important, like the Lord, well, we would have been there. But the unimportant, like the brethren, they weren't there. And so they seemed to be a bit shocked because they had the wrong idea of what kingdom service was about. It's not just serving Jesus. It's about serving one another. Matthew seven twenty one. not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. When you don't follow Jesus, you follow lawlessness. In this case, these people didn't serve Jesus. I don't know what they were serving, probably themselves. But Jesus concludes with this stark conclusion, but it's been the same conclusion as at the end of 24, the same conclusion as the end of the parable of the virgins, the same conclusion as the uh, parable of the talents, now the same conclusion at judgment. These will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. One thing I note about that, and this is a growing heresy, is uh, what's called conditionalism. It's uh, first taught by the Seventh-day Adventist, uh, a, a beloved brother who was known to many. He's now gone on to his reward. Uh, he taught this uh, for a while. Some other brethren uh, that I could name uh, have uh, fallen to this. It is sweeping the evangelical world. It's the idea called conditional mortality, that the rewards of heaven are eternal and constant, but the punishment of hell, is not. It's brief. Some think it's momentary. Uh, some think it's 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 uh, you know lasts longer than that, but it's temporary. But what we'll note here is the uh, is the parallel, the the uh, uh, way that these things are uh, equate to each other. There's an eternal punishment, and there's an eternal life. And so, whatever the reward is, the punishment seems equal to it except instead of being in light it's in dark instead of being in life it's in death but that doesn't mean it's temporary and that that's a scary scary thing that there's such a stark end for so very many but for any who would say well that's unfair or hey we should have known after you read these things all you can say is Jesus is going to be able to very fairly say you've been warned you were taught don't reject this. And I also think about the parallel between uh, this, which is Jesus' last recorded sermon before his death, and the last sermon of Moses before his death in Deuteronomy 30. It says this, beginning in verse 15. Deuteronomy 30:15. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways and keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land that you're going to enter to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you will not obey, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess, I will call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by holding fast to him, for this is your life. To me, that's very parallel to what Jesus says here. He says to some there is life based on, this loving service, this faithfulness. For others, because they neglected it, there is death. There's eternal punishment. And like Moses said, here is life and prosperity, and here is death and adversity. Choose life. Which one is it obvious that the Lord wants you to do? He wants you to have life. And so if you go to the place prepared for the devil and his angels, is it because of some neglect of the Lord, some withholding of blessing by the Lord, uh, some unfair treatment by the Lord, or some other way in which the Lord did not do all he could, and all that uh, you, know, uh, you might want uh, him to do to save you? Well, or is it going to be by your rejection of the way of life, which he so clearly spelled out? So Moses said, choose life. And Jesus pretty obviously implies it as he tells us about the joy of the Master, as he tells us about the eternal kingdom, as he tells us about the great reward of faithfulness. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.